0: Next reading is going to be from the book of Nehemiah. We'll we'll continue in Nehemiah this summer. We're going to be in Nehemiah chapter 2. We're reading verses 11 through 20 of Nehemiah chapter 2. So I came to Jerusalem and was there for three days. Then I got up during the night, I with a few men with me, and I told no one what God had put into my heart to do for Jerusalem. The only animal I took was the animal that I rode. I went out by night to the valley gate, past the dragon spring to the dung gate. And I inspected the walls of Jerusalem that had been broken down, and its gates that had been destroyed by fire. Then I went to the fountain gate, to the king's pool. But there was no place for the animal that I was riding to continue. So I went up by way of the valley by night and inspected the wall. Then I turned back and entered the valley gate, and so returned. The officials did not know where I had gone or what I was doing. I had not yet told the Jews, the priests, the nobles, the officials, and the rest that were to do the work. Then I said to them, You see the trouble we are in, how Jerusalem lies in ruins with its gates burned. Come, let us rebuild the wall of Jerusalem so that we may no longer suffer disgrace. I told them that the hand of my God had been gracious upon me, and also the words that the king had spoken to me. They said, Let us start building. So they committed themselves to the common good. But when this, when Sannibalot, the Horite, and Tobiah, the Amor, Amorite official, and Geshem, the Arab, heard of it, they mocked and ridiculed us, saying, What is this that you are doing? Are you rebelling against the king? Then I rep- replied to them, The God of heaven is the one who will give us success. And we are his servants. We are going to start building. And you will have no share or claim or historic right in Jerusalem. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. A few months back, Holly and I were back home for, for something. I'm, I don't even remember what we were back home for, but it was, it was a lazy Saturday afternoon. There wasn't much going on at Mama's house, so we, we decided to just go for a drive. We wanted to just, we, to just drive around. We, we left my parents' house a. Few. When you go south uh, to New Orleans. My parents actually live right off the Lake Dixie Springs exit. So if you ever see Exit 24, stop off, see my mama, say hey to her. That's where we live. So we, we decided to just go exploring. So we left home. We drove up to up to and drove up to the old school and looked around and went there and then then drove, drove over to Montgomery Baptist Church and saw the graves of my ancestors and saw the old softball field and drove down Lake Dixie Springs and saw the lake and... And saw the old places to eat, drove into Summit. And if you've never been to Summit, Mississippi, it's a beautiful little town, a lot of old antebellum homes, drove down there, drove to the Star Drive-In and got a hamburger. Just had a, just had a real lovely day driving around the back roads of, uh, of Pike and Lincoln County. And of course, the kids didn't go with this because that would have been pure torture, you know, to, to see all that. But uh, so we, we, we were driving back up 51. You, you know, the hill before you get to Lake Dixie Springs. That's kind of where we are. I know you all know that hill real well. We were driving down there. And we were just we're just talking and just visiting. And she said, Holly said, do uh, you think you'd ever want to live back here again? And on first glance, of course, of course. I mean, who wouldn't want to live in often calls the rose Often called the Rose of Lincoln County. I mean, who wouldn't want to live there? You know, it's the home of my ancestors, to where I'll be buried one day. It's, it's home. And, of course, who wouldn't want to live there? But then I thought a little bit more about it. And I thought, was well, this really a desire when I retire to live back home, perhaps? Or is this, this, just, or is this just nostalgia? You know, nostalgia is a powerful thing. Nostalgia is a very powerful thing. You don't believe me? Go watch the number one film in America, Top Gun Maverick. You know? We like the things of our childhood and of our youth. We we see it in pop culture. Think about how everything we see nowadays is a reboot, a remake, or a sequel. I mean, we all want to remember the first time you saw Star Wars. I know you all do because, you know, Star Wars is amazing. And you saw the ship. You saw the big ship and the lasers. You're thinking, oh, my gosh, that's the coolest thing I've ever seen in my entire life. And we spend so much time trying to recapture that. That, That's what nostalgia is. Louis Grizzard, the great Southern writer, once said, we spend the first half of our life trying to get away from home in the last half of our life trying to get back home. And there's something about home in them. It? It's 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 a comfortable feeling. It's a feeling of certainty. Certain it's a feeling of assurance. Feeling of where everything makes sense, everything works right, everything it, it's the feeling of the old pair of shoes that you've worn forever that just fit just right. It's a feeling I have an old baseball hat, old San Francisco Giants baseball hat that used to be black and now it's gray. And I've worn it for so many places and so many years and so many mission trips and vacations. But it just fits right. Just got it broke in after 30 years. You know, that's nostalgia. Nostalgia is that feeling that we have when we have that place of comfort. And we, we long for that. We, we long for, for, for the good old days. I, I pick with my wife. I'm, I'm this close sometimes in my life to being that guy yelling about the kids with their long hair and rock and roll music. You know, like, it happens to us, doesn't it? I've now become the guy that has turned down my radio to see better when I'm driving. You know? That's nostalgia. That yearning and that feeling for a world that often seems too fast and often doesn't make a lot of sense, that yearning for that thing that makes sense. That's not bad. That's why we like family reunions. That's why we like homecomings. That's why we like the, that's why we like the Neshoba County Fair and things like that. I mean, that's why we like these things. They make us, they remind us of those things. You know, we're reading in Nehemiah this summer. We're, we're into chapter two. And we're gonna be reading in Nehemiah throughout the summer. And we're seeing something interesting happen with Nehemiah. We saw, we saw, we saw in the first few, chat, first few sections, Nehemiah get this call from God to go back and to rebuild Jerusalem. They're in the Babylonian exile. The Jews have been taken into exile. Jerusalem's been destroyed. And Nehemiah gets this call from God to go back and to rebuild the wall and to restore what has happened in Jerusalem. So we see the first chapter and the first part of chapter 2 that happening. And today, we see Nehemiah now in town. We see he's back in Jerusalem. He's settled in. And now we see him, one night, kind of sneak out when nobody's looking. And he says his animal. I'm going to hope it's a horse or a camel and not like a cat or something. He's riding his animal. He he rides out. And he goes to inspect the gates of the wall. And if you were to go to Jerusalem now, you would actually see many of these same same gates are gates that are used now in the old city. So he goes out and he inspects the wall. And then at one point, the wall's in such bad shape. It's been destroyed and it's such a mess. At one point it says his animal can't keep going. So he's got to get out of his car and walk on foot for a while. That's how bad it is. And he sees that the, he knew the wall was in bad shape. He knew it. He heard about it. He knew it was in bad shape. But now he goes and inspects it him, himself. And when he inspects the wall himself, he sees, sees how bad it is. He sees that it's in such bad shape. And w- without a wall, without a wall, a city in that culture can't stand. You're, you, he says the Jerusalem is shamed. It's disgraced. Without your wall in that context, you don't really have an identity. Without a wall, you don't really even exist. You have to have your wall to really even be alive. So he finds that Jerusalem has nothing. And he had to inspect it. He had to inspect it to see how bad it was. You know, sometimes in life, we have to take an honest assessment and an honest look at how things are. That's why you should go to a yearly physical, you know, to tell you, hey, here's where things are why I don't go to the doctor. I never go to the doctor. I'm never sick. i got nothing to worry about. It's a joke, obviously. That's why Paul says in the Bible, in, in his writings, he says the law was given to us basically for us to know that we can't keep it. The law was given so that we know that we can't keep it and that we need salvation and help from outside ourselves. The law was not necessarily given for us to keep it perfectly. The law was given to show us that we couldn't keep it and that we needed a Savior. An honest inspection, an honest inspection of life, of ourselves, of all things, is super important to build to what God wants to do to build to what God wants to do. We come to church on Sunday, and we look, and we see faces that aren't here anymore, don't we? And that's sad. That is sad. It's sad to look and see faces that we've loved for so long who aren't here. People who are leaders and teachers aren't aren't here for various reasons. And we look around and we say, that, that makes us sad. It, it hurts us. But it's important in life. It's important for me to look within myself to find what are the areas of my life that God needs me to work on. It's important for us as a church to look and see where are the areas of our church in our life that we need to honestly look at and examine and see where the areas that we need to grow in, that we need to get better in, that we need to be more faithful in. Nehemiah could not properly lead the people to rebuild the wall until he had an honest inspection of what the wall really was. We as a church, we as individuals, cannot properly rebuild the walls of our hearts and our lives and our church until we have an honest inspection of who our church is what our church is about, and what God has called us to be. We have to inspect the walls to repair the walls, to rebuild the walls. St. Matthew's is an an amazing church. My my first experience with St. Matthew's probably would have been around 2003, 2004. Uh, It was one of the years we were having annual conference at Christ, United Methodist Church. And and if you've never been to annual conference, hey, we're meeting in Tupelo in a couple weeks. Come on with me. We'll have a big old time. But if you've never been to annual conference, that's a lot of folk in one space. And there aren't many spaces in Mississippi that can host everybody together at one time. And so when we had conference at Christ, uh, other various churches around the, the Jackson metro area, they, they would host events. So St. Matthew's in that year, like I said, it was 03, 04, I don't quite remember the year. Um, St. Matthew's that year hosted the clergy session. The clergy session of conference is when the, when the clergy get together and we vote on various things, those being ordained, those being retired, things such as that. And we, we met here. And I came here to St. Matthew's and I, and I remember, you know, once again, from Boca Cheddar, sometimes I get lost. It took me a while to figure out where to go and what door to go in. And I finally found myself in this church. And I was sitting I was sitting about where Abe and Charles are, in that general section over there, looking up at, at the, at the stained glass and at the layout. And I thought, my goodness, this is the coolest church I've ever seen. This is the coolest church that I've, that I've ever been into. This is, ama- this is so cool. I was just blown away by this church, by the architecture, by the people, by the friendliness. And listen, I was a little dumb-dumb. I, ha- I don't have any clue what I'm doing now. I had a lot less clue back then. And it was so neat. And I thought, golly, what an awesome church that must be. What an all- awesome church that must be. Some of the pastors in my life who have been some of my greatest mentors, have been your pastors. The first phone call I got when I found out I was coming to St. Matthew's was from Hank Winstead. Hank was my DS in Hattiesburg. He was the DS that helped start Asbury. Hank would come to Asbury all the time and just hang out with us and visit with us. And it was such a pleasure to get to know him and Miss Ann. And they provided such care for me at that point in my life. Bill McAlealy was one of my formative mentors in ministry. I remember talking when, when Bill was DS in Hattiesburg, I mean in the coast, we would get together in Wiggins sometimes just to eat lunch and visit. Whenever I found I was coming here, me and Steve Castile drank coffee at the Starbucks over there in the Renaissance. And so one of the reasons why I was excited to come here, even though I had a little bit of a, you know, have you, 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 you ever heard of imposter syndrome? They're eventually going to figure out that you don't know what you're doing. They're going to come get you, you know. So every Monday, I go. If, if my door opens on Monday, I'm like, "Hey, cool! They haven't figured it out yet." So I'm sure one Monday, I'm gonna come to the door, open my door, knock so gonna open. like, "Okay, I knew that was coming," and just drive them back to Bogotá. Surprise! It took them that long, you know. But I felt I was so excited about coming here because so many of the pastors who raised me also raised you. So I kind of had that hope of a common language. And and you've had some amazing pastors come through this church. But let me be very clear. What makes St. Matthew's, St. Matthew's, is not, and it has never been, your clergy leadership. It's you. It's you. What makes St. Matthews St. Matthews is last week at Trinity VBS, in the hot sun, seeing lay people out there working with these Hispanic children, loving on them. Feeding them, laughing with them, caring for them. What makes St. Matthew St. Matthew's is our VBS, where dozens and dozens and dozens of volunteers worked and sweat and cared and laughed and danced with these children. What makes St. Matthew St. Matthew's is our flower ministry that every Monday goes out and delivers flowers to people that are sad or that could just need a pick me up. What makes St. Matthew St. Matthew's are the meals that we deliver to those in need. What makes St. Matthew St. Matthew's is our Honduras mission team that goes to Honduras and works so hard throughout the year to keep the prices so affordable so that anyone who wants to go on a mission trip in our church can go on a mission trip from St. Matthew's. What makes our church our church is you, the lay people. Every ministry that I just listed would be here regardless of who the preacher is. Doesn't matter. It's the people that make the church, the church. It's the people that give and serve and are faithful to Christ. Doesn't matter who the clergy is. It's the people that make this church special. So for us now, as we talk about rebuilding the wall, it's important for us to look within and to see, God, where am I giving you space in my life? for me to rebuild in this moment and to be faithful. And it's important for us to take a a a clear-eyed assessment of our church. What are we doing right? What should we work on? What should we change? What should we do different? Who do we miss? Where should I step up? Because if we're gonna be honest, sometimes I'm not the only person with imposter syndrome. You feel it sometimes too, don't you? I can't possibly do that. I'm new here. I can't possibly do that. I've never done that before. If Christ Jesus has called you to it, Christ Jesus will qualify you to do it. And your job is to be faithful no matter what that is. But let's also be clear about something else. I love nostalgia. I bought me a record player, y'all. That's all about nostalgia. They talking about rebuilding the wall. But it's not our job to rebuild, as the great theologian Kylo Ren once said in The Last Jedi. Let the past die. Our job is not to rebuild our church to the church that we were in 2003, or in 2015, or in 2018, or pre-COVID. Our job is not to rebuild our church to a church based off nostalgia. That's not our job. Our job is not to rebuild our church to a church that we used to be. Our job is to rebuild our church to the church God is calling us to be right now. God has us positioned in this time, in this place, in this location, in this space, with these blessings for a reason. I don't want to go back to being the church we used to be. I want us to live forward into the church God has called us to be. Let us not rebuild the walls for nostalgia. Let us rebuild the walls for faithfulness. What is God calling us to do today? Who is God calling us to be today? Where is God calling us to live faithfully as a church and as an individual today? To rebuild the wall is not to harken back to the good old days. To rebuild the wall is to position ourselves in a position of faithfulness to what God is calling us to do today. So, friends, what is that? Where is God calling you to redouble your faithfulness? Where is God calling you to take a step out and rebuild the wall? Where is God calling you to live boldly and faithfully in an uncertain time, in an uncertain age? God has put us here to fulfill his purpose for his glory and for the good of our community. For his glory and for the good of our community. There is a world out there in desperate need, y'all, in desperate need of hearing the good news of Jesus Christ. There's a lot of angry, hurting folk out there right now, y'all, and God has put us here to be a means of grace for a world in need. Yes, that is what our ancestors did. I don't want to rebuild the nostalgia of the past, but I might want to rebuild the faithfulness of the past and the courage of the past and the grace of the past. Today, where is God calling you? May we take an honest assessment in our own souls In our own families, in our own lives, and in our own faithfulness. Where is God calling us? And may we take an honest assessment of our church. What are we doing? Where should we be doing it? How should we be doing it? Who should be doing it? Why are we even doing it? May we take that honest assessment. And then may we rebuild the walls for the glory of God. And for the goodness of our community who needs Jesus. Let's pray.